It's so awkward with someone else here. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Story of my sex life. That's my fucking sex autobiography. It's so awkward with someone else here. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Video Game Mythos. This week we are going to be doing something a little bit different than how we normally do things. Uh, I have brought with me a guest, someone that has never been on Video Game Mythos before, uh, making his debut appearance. It is the one, the only, the person behind why all of our content sounds as great as it does. Daniel. Oh, I thought you were going to say Roger for a second. I was like, ooh, big wrong. <laughs> big wrong. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I am recovering from a somewhat of a cold or whatever it was, so I apologize if I'm uh, having to move off microphone to cough in advance, uh, but I'll try not to blow up your eardrums with it here. Um, but today we do have kind of a special episode. It's been a while since we've done some uh, a conversational piece like this. Um but, I mean, you guys listen week in and week out to Ryan and myself blabbing about uh, video game characters and all, if, I wouldn't say all, most of those video game characters that we talk about are ones that are submitted by you guys. Um, but this week we're going to do something a little different. We're going to take a break from the character submissions and we're going to talk about um, something that we know and that we like. And it helps you get to know us just a little bit better. So uh, while this is your guys' first time hearing Daniel on Video Game Mythos, he's an active member of the project. He assists with the editing and the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, but today we're going to be talking about what our favorite video games are. That way you can guys get a taste and a feel for the stuff that we like to play whenever we don't have anything else to do, which isn't very often because um, we're out here making content for you needy bastards. Uh, but, you know, we love you, so we'll keep, we'll keep doing. We'll keep going. Uh, before I do, we're going to take some time to talk about uh, some of our other shows on the 13 Palm Trees Network. If you're into video games, and I'm assuming you are because you're listening to this, check out Video Game Mythos. Uh, yep. or, yeah, that That's one. The one. That's the one we're on. The one we're on. <laughs> well, uh, lucky for you, you're already checking it out. <laughs> look at you. One step ahead of the curve. <laughs> wow. You're, you're just so cool. Um <laughs> Check out uh, Gurus of Gaming, where it is a video game talk show where they keep you up to date on news, topics, and video game mantra. And they uh, talk about video game stuff and play games and weird things and junk and stuff. Absolutely. Stuffing things. Yeah, absolutely. They're stuffing things. And then they have Gurus of, Gurus of, what was that episode called? Gurus of uh, Rankin' Shit. Gurus of Rankin' Shit, <laughs> where we ranked... Was it our favorite? Or no, we were ranking restaurants, fast food restaurants. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's Gurus of Gaming. Check that out. Uh, we also have Waste of Local Talent, where Daniel stems from his yeah. roots in yeah. the uh, the Thirteen Palm Trees industry, uh, where Daniel and Jed Josiah <laughs> the Palm Roots, the Palm shut Trees up. Roots. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Uh, Daniel, Judd, Josiah, and Ashley interview uh, local bands, businesses, artists, artisans, and all the special talent from the West Virginia area to tr try to shine light on some of the lesser known um, 
things in the in the West Virginia area that it has to offer. Uh, and last but certainly not least is D&D Kinda. Uh, that is the immense labor of love that myself and Daniel tackle while everyone else just kind of marches along while we do all the work behind the scenes. Immense is a, not a strong enough word. <laughs> but it is a, <laughs> uh, a real play uh, D&D podcast given to you by yours truly where I DM these weirdos through a, a strange campaign. A lot of fun, a lot, uh, lot of laughter there. Uh, so check it out. All those shows available on the 13 Palm Trees Network. Um, feel free to check them out on any podcasting app. But uh, yeah. Also, if you like D&D, uh, not only should you listen to the show, we sell dice, we sell merch, we sell all kinds of stuff, and even Video Game Mythos merch. So check it out on our website, and not anyone does this right now, but they definitely should. I have just a plethora of Steam keys for all you nerds out there that like video games. Dude. I just want to give them all away to you. And if you just tweet about the show using the hashtag VGMythos, I'm going to send you Steam keys. So don't be shy. Tweet about the show. I'm not running out anytime soon. So tweet about the show i don't know what these games are i just buy random steam keys i don't look at them i just give them away it could be brand new games like madden 2020 not that anyone wants to play that but it could be you know <laughs> shower with your dad it, exact shower with your dad simulator <laughs> it could be anything so or tweet about favorite, the show bath with your shared on Facebook. <laughs> sorry you can only play that <laughs> once though yeah sometimes <laughs> might get lucky <laughs> uh, sh- share the show on Facebook. Tweet about the show. Um, we'll send you some Steam keys, video games, good stuff. So, uh, without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into it. Um, we're going to talk about our favorite video games. So, each of us brought a list of the top three favorite video games. I actually <laughs> brought an honorable mention as well. Um, I could probably do an honorable mention too, but we'll see if it's on your list or not. <laughs> it might be. Um, so I'm going to start at my bottom. I have three video games here and I'm going to start at my third one. I don't know if this game will end up on yours. Daniel and I intentionally did not swap beforehand so we could keep the conversation flowing for you guys to listen to. Just spit. Just spit. spit. Ew. We're not doing that. We're not swapping spit here. We're not our older brother. All right. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my, uh, third favorite game of all time. It comes of no surprise. It will come as no surprise to anyone who actually knows me and definitely not Daniel. And this might even end up being on his list too. <coughs> Everyone's favorite uh, first-person shooter done the way that it, sh- it should always be done, uh, Bioshock. It's actually not on my list. Really? Yeah. Well, that, that means your list has got to be epic then because this game was absolutely freaking awesome. See, I love Bioshock, but... I didn't like I love it but not as much as you loved it. So that's, that's why fair. it's not on my list. I know it was just it was just such a perfect game. I know we've we've talked about this in other shows that we've had uh, on the network, but my thing with this is like every single story point of BioShock from the moment like it starts and your character's first thing that he does is he looks down and there's chains tattooed on his wrist. You don't think anything of it. It's just another tattoo. And as the game builds and the conversations build between your character and 
Frank Fontaine slash Atlas and then Andrew Ryan and um, all the Dr. Steinman and Dr. Tenenbaum, all these, <coughs> excuse me, all these characters in the game, they just like, you just start finding out more and more and more. And at the end of the game, there's like this giant reveal about how your character is not actually being able to be controlled by you. And then you go back and play the game a second time and you start to realize all these little things that you didn't catch the first time to, through. And it's just, it compounds on itself so well. Um, it has some of the best enemies in video game history, like the big daddies. It has the splicers, which introduce like a really strange dynamic. Um, and also you get to kind of live the life of a splicer only just not to the extent of it. You being truly evil. Um, with the plasmids in the game so that introduces like a whole new way to play a first person shooter not only do you get to play with the guns and the typical like grenades and tropes from first person shooters but you also get this genetic alteration ability that allows you to team those things with not only the guns but also the environment like you can shoot fire into into puddles of oil on the ground and catch people on fire. You can shoot electricity through puddles of water and zap people to death. Like it's just such a, such a dynamic game blended into an atmosphere. That's like this 1940s, 1950s vibe, even though the game is set in like a sixties timeframe. Um, but it's meant to, that kind of goes further into the whole story where it's meant to like capture this era that was, the the dawn of awakening for you know the opening of the minds and stuff like that like it's just it's so powerful everything like i said everything interconnects in some way whether it's the story the mechanics or the gameplay everything is just so connected so that's definitely why it's on my top so i mean it's a great game don't get me wrong <laughs> i absolutely love bioshock that's the one thing i miss about you whenever you worked at gamestop because you have so many people out there like that you know you go into a game store and they try to push the popular games on you or they used to anyway I've, i haven't been in a game store i don't think since you worked at one the people but, there now <clears> still <throat> don't do anything else i went to do a GameStop actually like two days ago um just because something caught my eye in the window something from like think geek or something and then when they came up there was like trying to get me to to buy the newest call of duty or i forget mm -hmm. what it was it's something i had zero interest in yeah and that's the way everybody that works there thinks and whenever you guys like because like our whole group of friends worked there at one point you guys would find these games like bioshock and stuff like that that were kind of obscure people didn't really talk about much back then whenever they first came out and you were like dude you gotta totally check this game out yeah i don't have that anymore because games are just <laughs> starting to evolve into giant hunks of shit yeah i mean mass multiplayer unfortunately the only great single player games now you get like you get a little bit here and there some games companies still find the ability to cap encapsulate that level of like intensity and a great story and bring you a single player experience but for the most part those are still dominated by the single or by these like corporate giant video game companies that bring those out just to keep the other side of the market happy but everything nowadays is either moving to mobile platforming multiplayer or loot box based gaming it's terrible yeah and strictly <laughs> strictly online multiplayer games are ass 
Yes. Fight me. Please tell me Fortnite's not in your list of top three games. No. Okay. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be in my list of top 100 games. I just play it because Same. it's free, and I don't have a GameCube to play my Resident Evil games. So <laughs> It's free, and I don't have good internet, and it's the only thing that'll run on the internet since everything's <laughs> online gaming now. Sad days. Yeah. So well, let's take us back to a um, better day for you. You want my number three game? Yeah, sure. Hit me uh, with that. Trace. I forgot what Spanish number three was. This was my number two until I thought of my number three, and then I moved it down to number three. <laughs> uh, it's going to be Dead Space, the first oh, one. yes. It's got to be. It's in my top ten, but it's not my top three. Uh, I love this game, and I've played it too many times. No, that's, that's a lot. That's I a haven't, lot. I haven't no played it thing. enough. You could play Dead Space 2 and 3 too many times, but not one. I just think that it was very reminiscent of... I mean, I, I love survival horror games anyway. And it was like... Bioshock was kind of... Eh, just barely. It was, it was a social horror, yeah. is what it was. But Dead Space was like the next big survival horror game that I really loved. I mean, there's been other ones since then. You've got like Outlast and things like that that, are, that came out afterwards, but Dead Space 1, because I'm just, you know, growing up playing Resident Evil, it was just, that's kind of why I would say it's definitely my number three, because it's just dark and it's horrifying and it's got a good story. It's not just thrown together. Yeah, I, so. Resident Evil, or I'm sorry, uh, Dead Space, I believe, capitalized on the success of Resident Evil 4, but in all the ways that Resident Evil 4 didn't. It didn't yeah. just carbon copy it and rip it off. It took that over-the-shoulder, third-person action element and perfectly applied it to a survival horror. Because mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily consider Resident Evil 4 to be survival horror. Me neither. It was more of a just an, a horror setting action shooter yeah dead space really i mean definitively immersed you it made you feel isolated it put you in situations that (coughs) that made you really relate to isaac and not only did they put you in those situations they they lined it up and uh i guess i should say i don't want to say this they set you up for failure so that way it put Isaac's desperation, isolation, and the the true like imminency of the situation into the palm of your hands. Mm-hmm. So then on top of all that, there's this alien infection on this ship and no one has any idea what's going on. And it just like the horror just continues to compound on top of itself. And that's what I mean, if you're seeing a pattern here, that's the kind of games that I like where they're actually capable of telling a deep in-depth story about anything. So mm-hmm. survival and it was gory, which a lot of games that were coming out, maybe not around that time, but maybe like a little bit previously you had everybody, it was like grand theft auto and everybody's all up in arms about the violence and gore in video games. And this is just a game that took that and was like, we don't care. Yeah. Like we want to, I mean, watching Isaac getting torn apart and, it was dope whenever you died. It sucked, but it was dope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they make there's YouTube videos out there about uh, just the, the death scenes in, in games like this. So <coughs> just because they're so they're just so brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I def- this is definitely in my top 10, 10 games. I mean, even the Easter eggs that are in these games, I know that Ryan touched on this in his Dead Space episode. Um, and all of these that we've talked about have had some some character in the, these games or franchises, I'm assuming, have been touched on in Video Game Mythos at some point. Mm. I don't I don't know your list, but I know mine have. Well, um, like even, was it Dead Space 2, right? Where the chapter titles the first letter spelled out no, it was Dead Space was that, 1 that was that one yeah. I couldn't remember it's been so long since I played them but where it spells out Nicole is dead plot twist yep yeah spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert for like an 8, 9 year old game but yeah <laughs> so I, you know stuff like that that's just you know you wouldn't think of putting it in a game just to just to do it but somebody out there thought of that and named it each chapter title or whatever to spell that out which I thought was pretty cool yeah, it's that game is just so good. If you have not played Dead Space, please play Dead Space. There, there are people that have told me they have never played Dead Space, and I've bought them a copy of Dead Space, mm. like just because it's it's just that good. Um, and, and definitely played two as well. It was pretty good. Three, not so much, but yeah. Ironically enough, the best part of two is when you come back to the ship in in uh, Dead Space one. There's a portion we get to return to the setting that's in the first game, and it's by far the creepiest, the darkest part of the mm-hmm. game. And even the, the parts in this game that are like the game obviously operates a, of a large portion in like dark hallways with like one small focused light, and that's kind of it. Kind of gives it the the idea that you have to be centered and focused, which obviously they capitalize on to scare you. But whenever when you're in space, even the portions of the game that are very well lit, they use this game as <laughs> <is> well lit. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> this game uses like sounds to its advantage to really like creep you out and to like the uh, I don't know what it's called, but just like the like the the I don't know what they're called. There's like noises that like pop off and fire off and environmental sounds just to make you feel so uncomfortable about your your surroundings. So, great game. Uh, 10 out of 10. Very sad to see the studio close. Yes. So. Upset. <coughs> so, Bioshock and Dead Space. Check those out. So, on to my number two favorite game of all time. This is obviously a well-known, well-beloved franchise. It is a game in the Legend of Zelda franchise. But my favorite Legend of Zelda game of all time Daniel, could you guess what one it is? I bet you'll get it wrong. Link to the Past. Nope. Twilight Princess. Yes, you're right. So it's not a popular opinion either. Most people either say Link to the Past or it's a toss-up between Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. (coughs) If you like Majora's Mask... Not me, (laughs) because one of those is on my number two as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So Twilight Princess, definitely number one. The reason I love, obviously, Legend of Zelda is notorious for its amazing storytelling, its consistent characters, and not only are they just consistent because they're in each game, but they're, there's a reason these characters are consistent. They're persistent throughout time and Hyrulean lore due to the fact that they are, their souls and their essences are tied to the, the spirits of, the, of wisdom and courage and knowledge. Uh, I'm sorry, wisdom courage and power um so like as these characters like persist the rolling cast of npcs that these games have really i think 
make each one of these games what they are. So the reason I like Twilight Princess is the character of Midna is such a it's such a difference in the Zelda game uh, universe. All these characters are always so solemn, and they have just like a um, they have an agenda to save Hyrule, or they're just a quippy like uh, mailman or something like that. They don't have a lot of like value. Um, <coughs> either that or they're just overly serious. But Midna is the one character that has fallen on hard times. You don't know that much about her. And then whenever you start to find out about her, there's some deep, dark crap that's going on in her backstory. But she's she's a character that has that masks the way that she truly is the way that people in the real world do. She uses humor and... Um, makes fun of things to try to mask the fact that she's actually just internally depressed. And I think that that, that speaks a lot of, um, a lot of how Nintendo is starting to adapt into how they make their games, because not only is this focusing on, uh, a character that's, that acts that way. It's also the twilight realm in general is like a, a nod to dying and the fact that she lost control and there's a lot of subtle hints in this game so i really like that about it not to mention the gameplay was great the dungeons were fun the the transitioning between wolf and person at your at your disposal um like i said the twilight realm i found zant to be one of my favorite villains because (coughs) usually in video games when you have this villain it ends up being this is the villain. There's some twists and nods and things that you don't know about the villain, but with this villain, he was tricked by another villain, even though he seemed to be the antagonist the entire time. So when Zant ended up finding out that Ganondorf was using him, it was almost like he was just abandoned, and then Ganondorf became the true boss, which we all knew was going to end up happening anyway. But the the story in this game was just incredible if you've never played twilight princess or you gave it a shot and then like go back and look and just really pay attention to all the story elements even the all the um like the dungeons the typical uh uh, goron dungeons and the children of the forest and all that kind of stuff there's some subtle nods in the sacred grove sacred grove is one of my favorite maps from any zelda game of all time that that whole um area with the skull kids or i should say the the children not children of the forest but where they're like dancing with the lights and you have to mm-hmm. chase them that was one of my favorite portions and the music is beautiful oh, incredible game definitely my favorite zelda game it was good i played it a bit a bit a bit <laughs> i actually was looking upstairs i have it on the gamecube which i don't know if you knew this since the wii majority of people are right-handed when the game came out on the wii Link is left-handed. They actually made him right-handed. Yeah, in order to do that, they mirrored the game. Yep. So the Wii version and the GameCube version are exact opposites. Oh, it's so, the same. It's just well, mirrored. yeah, it's mirrored. It's so all you the start all the dungeons are. You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I have I have the Wii version, I have the GameCube version, and I have the Wii U version of that game. That's how much I loved it. It's so, a good game. I want them to bring it to Switch. Nintendo, they please. Will. <laughs> so what's your number two um it's also in the same franchise yes but i bet you can't guess which one it is hmm is it ocarina of time no really yeah is it majora's mask nope 
I actually wasn't mm. a fan of Majora's Mask on it. I, I don't like being like restrained by time. Yeah, that's my um, big thing. I don't like I didn't like that at all. I did really like Link to the Past, but what was it Link to the Past? Mm-hmm. Man. It's Breath of the Wild. Oh god. Duh. How did I not know that? I've, I've literally watched you play it <laughs> for hundreds and hundreds of hours. I mean beautiful game, man. I just really liked it. I like the fact that it was open world and you could do whatever you weren't constricted to like you know a certain thing you could just go and do whatever you wanted to whenever you wanted to yeah you know? um i wasn't a fan of the ending the very end with like the giant pig ganon the calamity ganon yeah, yeah i wasn't really that big of a fan of that but the fact that they later had come out with dlc for it I thought it was awesome adding extra stuff to it. It's a first for Nintendo in relation to their big franchises. Yeah. DLC for a, a, one of their main titles. I thought the game was great. I mean, I don't really... There's so much that I could touch on. Just from the fact that like you wake <laughs> up and you have... it. You don't just... I mean, just like any other game, you got to go and get the sword and this and that. But they didn't let you just get the Master Sword. Not anywhere yeah. even close. You had to you had to work for it to get it. Um, yeah, not and not even just in like a, a linear fashion either. Like yeah. obviously the game being open world, it was you you could accidentally stumble upon its. I wouldn't say it, but at least its location. Mm-hmm. Um, but you as could early get as it. you wanted. Yeah, you you mm-hmm. definitely had to put in the time and effort to be able to. Do get it, and it, mm. the reason I like this game and I like this choice as top game because it's definitely one of my favorites too. Is back to the point about Calamity Ganon. The game gives you a sense of urgency, but not in a way that the story lends to inhibiting you or making you feel rushed. Mm-hmm. It does a very good job of going, "Hey, it's an open world. Feel free to do whatever you want at your own time," and doesn't have that whole like. Oh, by the way, there's someone waiting on you the entire time. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that you're taking 30 days to go rescue them. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it is what it is. And that's, they did a really good job of capturing that um, because everything that happens story-wise kind of happens in the past. It happened a hundred years ago. You've been asleep for a hundred years. So whether you just woke up or it'd been a month, no one knows. So there's no mm-hmm. real sense of urgency. So I really like how they tailored the story for an open world environment. And they put in a lot of just side mission stuff that you didn't have to do. Like the one thing that stands out to me is the, the kid that wants to see all these different weapons. So you have to like search around when you find one, you've got to remember which one he wants to see next and take it back to him and show it to him. And then you got to finish all these like little tiny side missions and stuff, which I thought was really cool. You could buy a house, which was dope and hang your sword. Decorate up it with the very flamboyant, uh, uh, what's his like? I forget his name. Interior designer. Yeah, I remember. I took like two or three selfies in that game because you could take <laughs> selfies with your like with your little thingy or whatever. I took one with him. She could tablet. Yeah, she could tablet. Dude, I haven't played it so long. I need to play video games more. Um, you need a switch. I do need a switch. Um, I took one with him. I took one of me on the on a mountaintop under the blood moon right before it like you know mm, yeah. switched in the dark link 
suit outfit. That's awesome. I never saw that photo. Did you not see it? Uh-uh. It's somewhere. It's somewhere. It's either, it might be on my, my Facebook because I shared it. It's probably um, saved on my Switch if you took it on the Switch. That's true. Um, and then there's one that I took with the Master Sword that I took to rub it in because me and Michael were... Uh, we weren't racing to it, but I low-key was trying to beat him to the Master Sword first. And I think I got it first. He so. low-key beat me at everything in that game. Like <laughs> I couldn't. I was so upset because I was trying to find time to play, but I'm just so busy. And Daniel was just like, oh, by the way, I beat it. I was like, oh, no, you never beat it. I beat it before you did. You just did all the other yeah, stuff before yeah. I did. The only thing that I haven't done in that game is find all the seeds. That's the only thing I haven't done. Oh, and I even had a map pulled up once and was going around getting all of them. And I was like, fuck this like there's too many like, yeah i mean that was well, like 960 or something like yeah, that yeah and it doesn't you get a golden turd who cares it's legit a golden turd yeah it gives you a golden legit turd. a pile of poop and they didn't even make but now it. that i now that i say that i kind of want to get that golden turd <laughs> kind of need it i had a lot of uh i drank a lot of gold last night so i might have a golden turd tonight i want that <laughs> even though it won't be you know solid probably it'll just be kind of like a glitter glitter turd <laughs> like a kesha cannon in the <laughs> toilet <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> see that's my number two i love that game and I, now i'm talking about it i really just want to fucking play it <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's awesome the one thing i wish they would have done is put more dungeon like an actual dungeon in the game as opposed to everything just being shrines um there's some dungeon puzzle aspects all throughout the game but that's a typical Zelda trope is you go to a place and you're like alright there's something here I gotta do and you spend an hour to seven hours to multiple days of a gameplay stuck in a dungeon Mm -hmm. and you can drive yourself nuts other than you know looking up a walkthrough or something but you could drive yourself crazy trying to figure it out I know what they were trying to do by because the idea that if you get locked in a dungeon and you could just leave or you couldn't just leave, kind of kills the idea of open world. But if you have the ability to come and go, they could really, I know that's why they did the shrines, but if they could find a way to make these dungeons accessible or make them a way that they're linear, so that way if you're you're sick of it, you can get out, but still you have that dungeon vibe. Mm-hmm. I think that they would, it, that was one of the, everyone's complaints about Breath of the Wild. And I think that if they could figure out a way to do that, then it would be even better than it already is. Well, we'll see in the sequel. I hope so. Oh, gosh. I can't wait for that. <coughs> Still, my bet stands. I think we will see Breath of the Wild 2 before we see Metroid Prime 4. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. If I they hadn't have scrapped all of Prime 4, then uh, maybe we would have seen it. So. Yeah. But All right. So that was his number two. My number one game of all time. If anyone knows anything about me, I could probably ask Daniel. Daniel, what's my favorite video game franchise? The Shower with Your Dad franchise. I said video game franchise. It is a video game. I know. I was oh, just you just it. like to shower with your dad? Okay. That, um, Metroid. Yeah, for sure, Metroid. So, <laughs> this is another like I wouldn't say unpopular one, but it's another one that's um, it's not usually conceived to be like everyone's favorite. Um, a lot of people say Super Metroid or the original Metroid Prime or uh, even I've heard Metroid Fusion, but my favorite is Metroid Prime 2 Echoes. Now, <coughs> excuse me. I don't think, Daniel, I know, I don't think you've played this game, have you? I don't think I've ever played a Metroid game. Well, one, you're missing out. because I've, Metroid... I've watched you play enough to know <laughs> everything. Well, not everything, but I've watched you play them a lot. So, <laughs> So the reason I love this game is 
first the story. So Metroid Prime 2, Samus gets a distress call, goes to a planet, and then, like every other Metroid game, loses her powers and everything of her suit, and then she has to go throughout the world to find it, and then she obviously gets upgrades. But the thing about this game that made it so great was that there's actually two different worlds in one, and that's kind of the story, is that one world got hit with this alien parasite and it actually divided the world into two the same world but it's two different dimensions so the world exists in and of itself but every portion of the world exists in a dark world as well and the dark world is slowly taking over the light world and that's what you've been paid to do is go and eliminate this dark force and the way that this game works it ties so well together with how Metroid games work they they exist in lore so as you're playing through these games you you have a scanner that you can scan things that tells you what it is and it when you meet um dead bodies or people you can scan them and you get the lore their backstory things like that and this this holy quote-unquote planet (coughs) as you are scanning these lore it tells you these backstories by people so you have to take the time to read into these stories which i like it normally i don't like stuff like that but this game did it really well because it it makes you learn about the world makes you love it that much more and at the same time it gives it drops hints to where like keys to bosses are or keys to move on or doors that you go in to find like missile expansions and stuff and they they make these things hidden in like relics and whatnot so that way it's not just oh, you're on your way to find a missile expansion. Like, this missile expansion is a piece of this relic, and you go there to break it open, and that's what Samus would be able to use that relic to to do that with. So the game mechanics are great. The story is awesome. The boss battles, just like in every Metroid game, just kill it. They're just so much fun. And the way that Metroid games use your new abilities to compound on your attacks and uh, just make it fun to just to fight these different enemies you you would get excited to fight boss battles because it forces you to utilize your new tactics at the same time trying to remember all your old ones so yeah i i love metroid it is by far in my opinion one of the best franchises also one of the most underappreciated franchises because nintendo just never shows metroid the love that it deserves ever ever metroid prime one metroid prime two we're out on gamecube metroid prime three was I think like eight months into the Wii's lifespan that it came out. Metro Prime 3 is the last mainline game we found or we have from Nintendo. 2007. It has been 12 years since we've gotten a mainline Metroid title. You'll probably be waiting another 12 years for the next one too. So I think it was two years ago they dropped Mm. Metro Prime 4 at E3 and then whenever Nintendo came to the studio they had hired to make it I forget what the studio name was they came in at least they loved this this game enough to do that actually that's not true they came out with Metroid Other M but it was garbage mm-hmm. and I don't acknowledge it as a game <laughs> um, but they came in to check the game and they said this is absolute trash threw it in the garbage, fired everyone, and went back to Retro Studio, who made the original games, and they're still in the process of hiring everyone to continue to make the game. So that's why I think it's going to be a long time. But Well, then it's not the most underappreciated, then. They appreciate it so much that they 
didn't want to release a dog turd. Well, then give me a Metroid Prime trilogy for the Switch, then. Like, give me give me something. I would be okay they with gotta find the right bastardized people. remakes of these titles. Well, that's I, true. I want yeah, anything. Bring in some, you know, have they even did, have they ported over, like, the originals? So they ported over Metroid Prime 1 and 2 and 3 to the Wii U. And there's there was a, I think it was like a Swedish website or something that posted a Switch case for Metro Prime Trilogy over a year ago at this point. Mm-hmm. So everyone's like just waiting for the official announcement on that. But we think that is going to, they were going to announce it. But then whenever they fired everyone and started on Prime, restarted on Prime 4, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, we're going to wait till like a year out and then get everyone real excited for Metroid again on the Switch. It gets everyone used to the mechanics again. It gets everyone re-energized in the story because it's kind of like a rolling effort with Metroid. So then whenever they're going to wait until it's a little closer, and I think that's when they're going to drop it. But they did re-release uh, Metroid Samus Returns, which is Metroid 2, on the DS. Um, and it was awesome. It was great. They did the whole story just as it was, but then added a bunch of new uh, enemies and <coughs> and uh, enhancements and upgrades and things like that. So, Word. <coughs> so yeah, that's my me nerding out on Metroid. Check it out if you haven't played it. Start with Prime 1 because it's it's everything Prime 2 is, but Prime 2 is just better in every way. Normally, sequels just don't cut it uh, like 3, but 2 is. So, well, Speaking of sequels. I think I know what we're going to talk about right now. I don't think you do. Probably not. You do. What is it? Is it Resident Evil 2? Yeah. Yes! <laughs> I don't think you have a single person listening that is going to argue with, with you on this, though. I think they're, what a, they're, as far as top video games, this is my personal list, so eat it if you don't agree, because <laughs> you're not me, because not only, I mean, well, it, it's what got me started into loving um, survival horror games, but... Even though, like, I've been playing, you know, Nintendo and stuff, and, like, since we were younger, when we first got our Super Nintendo and playing, you know, Super Mario World and all that. Oh, man. Um, what a game. Been going over to our friend's house, and I remember playing the NES over at the Benicki's house and playing, like, you know, Contra and all that stuff growing Jesus, up. Jesus, I forgot about them. <laughs> um, but this one holds the most, like, nostalgic kind of factor for me because I don't out of my eyes I honestly don't know why it does but it does um, and the remake was pretty awesome and it made me want to go back and replay the original which I have on GameCube which I don't have a GameCube because mine stopped working I'm I has a GameCube I you can has I take it tonight maybe <laughs> um, but I don't know I just everything about the game like the fact that just the, the mechanics were a little weird obviously like the whole behind the you know well not even behind it, it was just a fixed camera in a room you had to work your way around it i think that's um, a great like for the time obviously the new one was like uh the remake was like over the shoulder third person mm-hmm. but i think the idea that there's a fixed camera angle in every room that you walk into i think that's a that's a i don't even know what to call that that should be its own genre because especially in a puzzle-based game like these Resident Evil games were, where you're constantly having to worry about, one, being eaten alive, so there's that horror element, 
but two, you get one view of every room that you're in. So you need to use your time and use your eyes. Like, I really like that about these games. Yeah, I think it adds to the horror element, like you said, because um, that you get that one view. And if, you know, you could be in a room and you could hear something, a zombie on the other side of the room, but you have to move to another side of the room to see that side of the room. And then that zombie could be right there. Um but the, I think this video game, like the first time that I ever had like a jump scare reaction to a video game anyway, was definitely this one. Um, or no, no, it wasn't, it wasn't two. It was, it was Resident Evil one, but it was in that franchise. Um, but I had actually like, I was playing with Alex Skidmore and I, something happened. I forget what, which one it was or which part it was. I, th I think it was Resident Evil one, but I'm not sure. Anyway, um, I was sitting kind of Indian style on the bed while he was playing and it scared me so bad that I rolled backwards off the bed. <laughs> um, that and like growing up, obviously we, we weren't allowed to have like violent video games like this and you know, dude, we couldn't watch Doug on yeah. Nickelodeon. I mean, um, but so I think that that might be another reason too, because it was almost like taboo, like oh I'm not supposed to be playing this, but it's mm. it's always you know been there, and that's part of the reason. Like whenever Resident Evil Four came out, I was kind of like eh. I thought it was kind of a cool idea what they did with it, um, but they took away the things that I liked about the game, like that that yeah. survival horror aspect, and made it into almost just like a shooter kind of, th not even thriller type game. But I don't know. I just yeah, I mean it. The way that Resident Evil 4 operated was like it tried to capitalize on over, like overstimulating you. So like your the things that scared you about that game were just like, oh my god, I'm being chased by a guy with a chainsaw. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, there's 50 fucking people trying to get in this room to kill me. Yeah. Like it just tried to overwhelm you to to make you feel suspense instead of actually knowing how to subtly terrify you and then build on that. Like mm -hmm. the like. Resident Evil 2 did like with the the tyrant chasing you and like sure you have plenty of time but like at any second like you could be right there mm -hmm. like it's, it's so I <coughs> newer games fail to really capitalize it's like it's just like movies newer movies every now and then you'll get one like Hereditary or The Witch mm -hmm. that does it just right and they know how to build an environment to just to scare you top to bottom other than you know a lot of new horror movies like I don't know, pretty much every freaking movie out there now that has quote unquote horror in the genre. <laughs> you are next. Yeah, what like a terrible it's, movie. It's just jump scares. That's all mm -hmm. it is. There's no there's no real horror there. Mm -hmm. So you get a movie that makes you feel isolated and dark, or a video game that makes you feel isolated, contained, helpless. It'll be scarier than any movie or any movie or game that has just jump scares in it because mm -hmm. It truly makes the person playing feel helpless. That's what people, that's what terrifies people. So, I mean, you know, you don't, I mean, Resident Evil is totally full of jump scares. These are the <coughs> ones. No, I'm not saying that it, jump scares are great in mm -hmm. video games, but it's, you have to have those teamed with, you know, the feeling of isolation, the feeling mm -hmm. of helplessness, not knowing where to go. How many times were you in situations when you played through Resident Evil, specifically Resident Evil, where you just couldn't figure it out? And well, that was yeah. frustrating you, but what was frustrating you even worse is there there's something chasing you or it's right behind you or at any minute it could happen, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of that kind of terror. Well yeah, or in like the whole 
having to figure out these puzzles and then having to backtrack through through places that you've been 15 times then you go through again whenever you're at that right point in the game and then that's whenever something jumps through the window or you know something <laughs> happens so it's like you're not they, they make you not expect it because you've been there before and you've been there a few times and you're just have to backtrack to take you know something somewhere or you know go put this in this thing to get this out to get a key or whatever and then that's the time that thing jumps out at you or whatever you know i don't know no i mean that's that's how you do horror right you yeah. you familiarize make people comfortable and then you take advantage of the situation that you put them in because they know better and if you're looking at it at, from first time through Every time you walk through anywhere, especially in a Resident Evil game, you need to be weary or weary. You need to be <laughs> leery of everything. And you should every time. But like I said, you walk through that room 50 times, you're just going to the one time that you're finally off guard is the time they're going to get you. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, and if, if anybody out there is listening and that, you know, is into like movies and things. Could you find somebody that's actually played a Resident Evil game and make some good Resident Evil movies? That'd be dope. Yes. Oh, just start over with this franchise. Well, yeah, obviously. The dude did never played Resident Evil before. It's sad. Yeah. You hate to see it. You do. <laughs> At least they're making a uh, TV show, though. We'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. I hope it's good. I'm glad the same dude's not doing it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I wouldn't watch it. The caliber of TV shows out loud, like in the last, I would say in the last 10 years, the the caliber and quality of movies has just skyrocketed and mm-hmm. the TV shows have taken the same approach like Breaking Bad and uh, The I Boys mean, The Boys was awesome so good hey, did you finish it? yeah oh. I finished it that night I started watching it oh I'm my like, I can't stop <laughs> and stay up till 6am watching it but yeah so those are our those are our favorite games metro prime 2 uh legend of zelda twilight princess bioshock and the daniel had resident evil 2 uh legend of zelda um what was it i already forgot breath of the wild breath of the wild i i don't know why i just don't see that as like a zelda game i think it's because like i said the dungeons oh yeah i mean it's, it'd be like the same with me not considering resident evil 4 a resident evil game mm, true yeah. but yeah, so this is this is an episode of Video Game Mythos that has run substantially longer than our normal runtime, but we feel it's important that you get to, you learn a little bit about one someone that always is here behind the scenes helping Video Game Mythos be as successful as it is, and two get to know a little bit about me. Uh, we will come back with another one of these episodes in the very near future, uh, featuring Ryan, and maybe we'll we'll rope in Jed so that way you can get uh, the full Bored scope. to tears. <laughs> you can you can be so bored you just stop listening at the start. Yeah. Um, but no, we want we want you guys to uh, know a little bit more about us. And if you have questions about like video games that we like or you want to play games with us online, not that any of us ever do that very often, but we're amicable to it. And if you want to continue to suggest video games for us to review, send them to us. My email is michael at 13palmtrees.com. I definitely won't send it straight to the spam folder like I do with everything else. <laughs> um, so shoot it over to me. I'll take a look at it and see if I can't squeeze in an episode about your favorite character. But for now, again, longer than I had expected, I appreciate you guys listening. Please continue to tweet about the show. Please continue to check us out on social media. Continue to listen. Check out the other shows on the 13 Palm Trees Network. I love you. Ryan, you can suck it. Have a good day.